Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and for your grace. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. Continuing our lesson today on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, we're going to try to get two of them in today. I think we can do it. We'll be talking about joy and peace. Galatians 5, 22 through 25, kind of our scripture text for the, the series, says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, uh, by way of recap, uh, the fruit of the Spirit are a manifestation of the character of God in our lives. This is not something, these are not things that, that we can, by force of will, uh, put into us. We cannot purpose in our heart to love like God loves. We cannot purpose in our heart to obtain the characteristics of Jesus Christ in our lives. Uh, that is something that can only come through receiving the Holy Ghost and allowing the Holy Ghost to manifest that in us. And that can only happen, of course, if we are submitted to Christ and are attached to the true vine. Life comes from Jesus Christ. Spiritual life comes from Jesus Christ. And if we are to manifest that spiritual life in us, we have got to let that life come into us from God. Again, that's not something that is inherent in me. I didn't have any of that before I came to the Lord. I manifested the works of the flesh, as did some of you. But when we came to Jesus Christ and God filled us with his Holy Ghost, the, the very Spirit of God, God begins to work in us, his character. It's his will for us to become Christ-like. I just remembered, is everyone sitting in the back because it's cold? Is that, is that, okay, okay, I was going to ask some of you that, I figured now as good a time as any. We will adjust that in the future. I apologize. Amen. Moving on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my wife brought that to my attention, and I totally forgot to, I keep forgetting about it, because I'm standing over this, and it, it's, it's not cold here. <laughs> so, okay. But the presence of the, the Spirit of God in us is what manifests the fruit of the Spirit. It's not something that we can purpose in our hearts to do of ourselves. Now, this differs from the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, sometimes uh, there is a little bit of confusion as to the difference. Uh, so the gifts of the Spirit are an external and immediate manifestation of the power of God. Okay? Uh, that, is, that is something that just happens. It happens because faith is present, and uh, we submit ourselves to God in that area, and God uses us. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit, however, those are an internal manifestation of the Holy Ghost, and they take time to develop. Fruit just doesn't pop onto a tree overnight. It takes time. Crops take time. They take a whole season of time. And so when we're talking about developing the fruit of the Spirit in us, that's a process that takes time. 
when I first received the Holy Ghost, and this is something good to remember, when someone comes up and they repent and they receive the Holy Ghost and they're baptized in Jesus' name, sometimes it surprises us that they're not Christ-like right there. They're not Christ-like right there. In fact, some of them may go back to, to sleeping with their their girlfriend or boyfriend for a month or two before they figure out God doesn't like this. There are things in their lives that are going to need to be worked out. But that's a process. It's going to take time. You were patient with you when God was working on you. Be patient with someone else. Amen. Let God work those things out. Fruit takes time to develop. The character of God in us will take a lifetime to develop. Amen. So, in us and in others, it is a process. Let God work the process. Amen. Make sure you're, you're doing the process. Make sure you're attached to the vine. Make sure you're obedient to Scripture. And God will produce that in us. Amen. Uh, this can only happen if we're dead to our old nature and alive to Christ. And under grace, we are prohibited from both legalism and license. I want to, I want to spend just a moment on this. Under the Old Testament, it was a very legalistic system. I think we can all agree to that. A lot of thou shalt and thou shalt not. And that's the only way that it could happen because there was nothing in here. God was not able to put anything in here. So it had to be an external, uh, legalistic, forced, if, if we can say it that way, uh, obedience. If you obey, I will bless you. If you don't, you will receive curses. The carrot and the stick. That's how it was. The laws were written on tables of stone. And the law was read to the nation of Israel every year, or was supposed to be, so that they would have it, that they would continue to receive it. Because they needed to continue to receive it. Again, there was nothing in here. Under the new covenant, those laws are written in here now. And that's why the, the Bible says that if, you, if you're under grace, you're not under the law. But some people want to take that as license. Well, I can just do whatever I want. I'm not under the law. That's not what that means. That means the law is in here now. And I obey the law. I submit myself to the Word of God because I desire to. I desire to please God. I desire to serve Him with my life. That's what that means. That's what it means that I'm not under the law. I don't have to be under the law. I have something higher. I have a desire to serve God, to please Him, to live for Him. I have a desire to be like Him. And to see that worked out in my life. And if I pursue that desire, I'm not going to need the law. I'm not going to need an external reminder of, of who God is and what I need to do. It's in here now. So legalism is gone under the old, under the new covenant. But so is license. Because in another very real sense, we are held to a higher standard now than under the old covenant. We read about that in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said of old time. But I say unto you, 
And then he, he gives us something higher, something greater to attain to. The Old Covenant law, the Old Testament law, was something that they could do. But their heart just wasn't in it. It wasn't required to be in it. All they needed to do was check the box. If you sin, bring the sacrifice and I'll forgive you. But nowhere do we read of any real repentance inside here. They never really were, had to feel sorry for their sin. They just had to check the box. But today God grants us godly sorrow unto repentance. We're under a higher standard now. And so license is gone as well. We cannot force someone to live for God. We cannot force someone to obey his laws and precepts. And God won't force you. But what God does do is he puts that in us. It is of God both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He gives us the ability and he gives us the desire to serve him, to live for him. Amen. The first thing we'll talk about today is joy. Joy in this context means delight, to rejoice greatly, gladness. Now, this is probably as good a time as any to differentiate joy and happiness. A lot of people in the world today feel like, I need to be happy. Whatever is going to make me happy, that's what I need to pursue. Well, the problem with happiness is that it's transient. It's like any other emotion. Like like how people feel about love. I love you until you do something to me that causes me to not love you. This makes me happy until it doesn't. And now I gotta find something else that makes me happy. Happiness is never, that's never God's concern. Okay? It's got, it's not God's concern whether or not we are happy. Okay, that's the truth. God's not really concerned with our happiness. He's concerned with our salvation. He's concerned with our holiness. He wants us to experience joy. Peace, all of this, these fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about. He wants us to experience those. Now, he's not an ogre because he doesn't necessarily want you to be happy. Okay? What we're saying is, there's a, there's a, a higher standard that God is wanting to attain in our lives. There's something greater for us than just being happy, whatever that means. Joy supersedes happiness in every way. We're not always happy, are we? That's one of the first things you learn as a Christian. Everything isn't peaches and cream after I, after I promise to serve the Lord. After I receive the Holy Ghost, a lot of things do get ironed out. But not everything. We still have bad days. I still get a flat tire. Bang my thumb with a hammer. It happens. 
Even though I have the Holy Ghost, even though I'm trying to serve God with my life, I still stub my toe on the bed in the morning. Bad things happen. I'm not always happy. But I can always experience joy in my life. And there's a reason for that. There are reasons for that. The, the primary reason is because the Holy Ghost in me brings that out. Before I started serving the Lord, before I received the Holy Ghost, I, I pursued happiness. I didn't know anything about joy. Some things made me happy, so I did that. When something didn't make me happy, I tried to avoid it. But today, I know there's something higher. There's something greater. Joy supersedes all of that. I can have joy in the midst of sorrow. I can have joy in the midst of a bad day. Okay? That's the difference between love the emotion and love the act of the will. Agape love. I'm not always going to love the situation. I'm not always going to... Uh, like being around a person, but I can always love them. I can always demonstrate love to them. I may not even like them. But I can still love them in Jesus' name. I, we're supposed to love our enemies, right? How can we do that? We don't have to like them. We don't have to be best friends with them. I hope that's okay to say, because it's true. But I do have to love them. I do have to minister to them, pray for them, put their needs above my own. When I'm experienced, when we're talking about joy, joy is something greater than happiness. I'm not always going to be happy with the situation. I'm not always going to uh, look forward to a trial or a test. But in the midst of it, I can experience the joy of the Lord. Why do we experience joy? Well, there are a lot of reasons I put down here. I could have put a lot more. Our great debt of sin has been completely wiped out. I had a debt that I could never repay. I had a debt of sin that was so great, all of eternity would not have paid it. And God forgave that. God forgave that. So no matter what else happens, church, I'm forgiven. That debt that I owed is gone. It's off the books. Completely paid. I can experience joy no matter what I, no matter what I'm facing because of that realization. God forgave my sin. The debt that I owed him is completely gone. I've been made the temple of God. The Holy Ghost is resident within us. We are the Holy of Holies. If we understand the Old Testament tabernacle plan, and this is a plug for Old Testament, we got to know the Old Testament. We've got to know it. If we don't know the Old Testament, we're not going to understand the New the new is built on the old. You've got to understand it. 
If you understand the tabernacle plan, you understand the significance of the Holy of Holies. What a special place that was. The high priest could only go in one time a year, and he had to be perfectly ceremonially clean, completely covered from head to foot. If not, that's what the rope was for. He'd be struck dead, and one of the other priests would drag him out, because they're not going in there. They can't go in there. They'll die too. They would be struck dead if they entered the presence of God. That's the significance of the Holy of Holies. Today, you are the Holy of Holies. It's right here now. Do you know what that is? What that means? That is unreal. That is amazing to me. That this is where God wants to dwell now. What an awesome concept. That's how I can experience joy in my life, no matter what I'm facing. Because God is right here. He's in me. We've been placed into his body as he saw fit. What an awesome thing this is. The Bible tells us that his body is fitly framed together. And that when I come into salvation, I come into the body of Christ. And he places me according to his will. He gives me gifts and talents and abilities, and he wants to use me there. He thinks I'm useful. I have purpose. He has a plan for my life, and he wants to use me according to that plan. I'm not useless. For some people, that's... That's not much of a revelation. They were useful before. They, they have drive and determination and passion and they got after it. I kind of did. I knew what I wanted to do. But then when I came to the Lord, I kind of fizzled out. I didn't know what to do after that. I didn't really know where I was supposed to go, what I was supposed to do. So the realization that God has a plan for my life and wants to use me, and not just use me, but use me mightily, use me wondrously, and you too, every child of God, he wants to use wondrously. And sometimes that's hard for us to understand. We can't really get our minds around that because we know who we are, don't we? We know where we came from. We know what we can do and what we can't do. We know what we've tried and failed at. But none of that matters in the kingdom of God. None of it. When God purposes to use someone, and they give themselves to him to do that, he's going to do that. He is going to use that person. And all we have to do is make ourselves available and submit ourselves to the plan of God for our lives. And he does the rest. And the purposes that he has designed for you and me come to pass, not because of us, but because of him. And that gives me joy. That gives me joy that no matter what I bring to the table or don't bring to the table, God has wondrous things in store for all of us. He provides for us everything we'll ever need. Again, understanding that he's our Lord, he's our provider. 
in times of plenty? I really don't think about that a whole lot. That's what I ought to be thinking about it the most. But it's in times of need. As is want for us human beings. In times of need. Now I'm turning to Scripture. Now I'm turning to the Lord, my provider. But no matter what, He's faithful and He provides all of our needs. He promised to do so. If we'll give ourselves to Him in service to Him, we submit ourselves to the Word of God in our lives, He promises to provide everything for us. That gives me joy. That gives me joy in the midst of a, of a financial crisis. Because even in the midst of a financial crisis, I can still trust Him. I can still trust that He is going to do that. I remember one time in my life, I was, I was in a financial crisis, and I knew that it was all my fault. I won't get into specifics, but I did some stupid things. And this financial crisis was all me, 100%. I couldn't blame anyone else if, if I wanted to. I couldn't talk myself into it. It was so obviously me. And so I brought it to God, and I continued to bring it to Him, even though it was all my fault. And I still remember the exact time and place that this happened. I got, I got what I believe was the gift of faith. Because at that moment, I was driving to church on a Wednesday night. I can, I can see that, I can see my surroundings just as plain as if I were there right now where this happened. And I just knew. I knew that, okay, God's heard me. He's going to take care of it. This is done. It's, it's a done deal. And I didn't, I didn't stress about it. I didn't worry about it from that point on. And very shortly after, I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life. God took care of it. He provided my need, even though it was all my fault. I did stupid things, and that's, that's the result of stupid things. You end up in a stupid situation. That's how life is. I was getting my just desserts. But God still took care of it. He, stu- he still took care of me even though it was my fault. Ever since then, I've had no problem trusting in God. I've had little mini crises from time to time, as have you. Maybe some big crises. But God is faithful, and he provides no matter what, if we will put his needs first. He desires to build a growing, vibrant relationship with us. This i got to admit, it's something I still struggle with from time to time. Because again, I know me. As much as anybody does, I know me. And so I have to wonder, when I was in the world and people wanted to get close to me, that was a red flag for me. What do you want? What do you want from me? I had a very hard time trusting people because I've been used before. You guys know what I'm talking about. 
I've been used by relationships before, so I was a little bit hesitant to let people in. Why do you want? Why do you want to get close to me? So when I came to the Lord, and this this kept coming up. God wants a relationship with you. God wants to build a relationship. He wants you. He wants to spend time with you in prayer. He wants. He wants to talk to you through His Word. He, why? I know He wants some things from me. I'm willing to do that. So why this? It took me a long time to figure it out. He just loves you and wants to be with you. He doesn't need anything from us. He asks things of us, but that's for your benefit, not his. He doesn't need anything. What does God need? What does he have need of today? Absolutely nothing. He is self-existent. If he wiped out all of creation, he would be just fine. He doesn't need anything from me. He wants things from me, primarily for my benefit. He desires us, a relationship with us, so desperately. And that gives me joy. No matter what I'm going through, God loves me. He wants to be with me. No matter what I've done, no matter what I have left undone, He wants to be with me. He wants a relationship with me. What an awesome thing that is. I can have joy because of that, no matter what I'm going through. He leads us into His perfect plan for our lives. Okay, I kind of touched on that earlier. He leads us. He directs our steps. We don't have to worry about what we're going to do with our lives. We don't have to figure out what's the best thing for us. Now, for some people, that's a stumbling block. But for me, I like that. Again, in a lot of ways, I'm a very simple guy. You tell me what to do, I can do it. I'm cool with that. I'm good with that. I'm a, I feel like I'm a good follower. I've had a lot of time to, to perfect that. I'm a good follower. Jesus tells me to do something. Yes, sir, I will do that. I don't have to figure out the big picture. I don't have to plan all the pieces on the battlefield. I don't have to worry about any of that. Our general is going to take care of that for us. Praise God. And he'll do it perfectly. When he reveals a plan to us, it's a perfect plan. It's perfect. It's going to fulfill you in ways that you can't imagine. Everything God brings into our lives, everything God has in store for us is perfect for us. Even the situations that seem hard. Even the situations that seem like, why is this happening to me? God can even turn those around and make them wondrous. Uh, he can use those to put things in our lives that we desperately need or to take things out of our lives that we desperately need to get rid of. He can use those awful situations for his good, for our good and for his glory. Amen. 
Whatever we may face down here is nothing compared to the glory we stand to inherit. This ought to bring us joy. No matter what happens down here, God's going to make everything right. Actually, he's going to make things so much more than right. He's not going to balance the books. He's going to stack it way in our favor. Whatever we go through down here, you look at the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus had, by all accounts, an awful life down here. Awful life. No one would want his life. But they'd want it now. They most certainly would. Everyone would want the rich man's life till he died. Now no one wants it. This is a blip. This is, this is a few years, a vapor, a shadow. It's here today and gone tomorrow. What matters is eternity. What matters is what's going to happen forever. That's what we need to stay focused on. This is what's real. This is what truly matters. And in this, we're way ahead. In this, we have security. We have hope. In here, we have no hope. There's nothing here for us. This life, this world is sprinting just as fast as it can into the gates of hell. And it's picking up speed. There's nothing out there for us. We need to get as many people as we can out because Jesus is coming back. And then, and then we're in eternity. And if we haven't been focused on eternity, there's not going to be a lot there for us. But if this is our heart, if this is our hope, this is what we're living for. then everything is good. Then we have eternity to spend our rewards. Amen? That is our hope. When all of this is gone, all of the injustices have been suffered, all of the unfairness has been experienced, God is going to make it all right. He may make it right in this life, but definitely in the next. Unfair things are going to happen. Injustices are going to be experienced in our lives. That's the world that we live in. But God will at one day balance the books. Amen. And we've already mentioned God's Spirit in us produces joy. That comes out as a natural consequence of having the Holy Ghost and living for God. Peace. Peace in our context today means peace. (laughs) Imagine that. Harmony. Freedom from worry. Some people want to include worry as a fruit of the Spirit. I've heard that said jokingly, not jokingly. That's one of my gifts, gift of worry. (laughs) That's not a gift, folks. 
I've heard worry defined as faith in reverse, faith in the opposite. I would probably define it as unbelief in God's ability or desire to provide. It's unbelief. Unbelief does not please God. Yes, I am preaching against worry. Preaching to me too. We ought not worry about things. The Bible says to bring all of our cares to Him because He careth for us. We don't have to carry those things. We don't have to stress out about them. If we're living for God, if we are his child, we don't have to worry. We don't have to stress. We don't have to fear. God will take care of these things for us. Why do we experience peace as children of God? Because God loves us and he wants the very best for us at all times. We explained why that brings joy, but that brings peace, too, because we have to understand. I'm going to put the next point in, too. God has all power and all authority. When we understand that the God we serve has all power and all authority, we understand that he can do anything. Okay, That's just part of the definition of who God is. He can do anything. He is omnipotent. It's one of his characteristics. He can't be anything else. He's omnipotent. So he can do everything, anything he wants to do. When our faith and our hope and our trust is placed in that being that can do anything, we ought to have a peace about that. Because there are some other characteristics about God that we can bring into the equation, that he loves us perfectly. He wants the very best for us. That he has bound himself to his word and covenant relationship with us to provide all of our needs for us. He doesn't owe us anything. We're not holding God's feet to the fire. I wouldn't ask him at all for these things, but he gave me a promise. And he's pleased when we remind him of these promises. He wants to provide for us. What father wouldn't want to provide for his children? That seems to be something built into us. We want to provide for our children. God wants to, I believe it's from God. God wants to provide for his children. He wants to. He's looking for an excuse to, opportunities to do that. So that brings peace. We don't have to worry about where the next meal is coming from. We don't have to worry about how I'm going to take care of this situation or, 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 Resolve that situation. God is going to take care of his children. So rather than worry and stress and, and, and fret over things, we can have a peace about it. We're going to do what we can. We're not just going to sit in our bed all day and pray Jesus provide. Okay, That's not what I'm saying either. But what I am saying is that after we've done everything we know to do, There are things that we can do. 
but the rest is in God's hands. Don't stress when what I can do isn't enough. Most times it was never meant to be enough. You get to the end of your ability, and now God can step in and take care of the rest. That's what he wants to do for us. Give him an opportunity to do that. He will be well pleased. That brings peace. God has infinite resources at his disposal. Whatever we need, he can provide it. He has infinite resources. We have peace because it's God who orders our steps and directs our paths. Again, we don't have to figure out in the almost infinite amount of choices that we have presented to us in our lives. My oldest son right now is still stressing out over what he's going to do with his life. I told him, just make a choice and go with it. You can course correct as as you move. I love what someone told me one time, God can't steer a parked car. <laughs> you just move and God can steer you. God will direct you as you move forward. <laughs> but as we move forward, we oftentimes wonder, what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to do for God? What is my calling? What is my ministry? Well, God has all of that figured out. That brings peace to me. That I don't have to hope I got it right. Hope I'm making the right choice here. Because my history of making choices hasn't always been the best. Maybe you can relate, maybe not. So I'm a little bit leery when I have to make a, a choice about life direction. Something really small like what am I going to do with my life? Those things, those things cause me to worry a little bit. But now I don't have to worry because God's got all that figured out for me. I'm at peace because God has that planned out perfectly. We have peace because if we submit ourselves to God and obey him, the results are entirely up to him. What I realize is that if I'm faithful to the plan of God, if I'm obedient to him and I'm doing what he tells me to do, I'm not worried about the results. Again, this took me a long time to figure out. I can't fill people with the Holy Ghost. I can't lead someone to a place of repentance. I can't give someone godly sorrow. I can pave the way. I can present the Word of God to them, and that's what we need to do. Teach Bible studies, present our testimony, uh, do what we can, pray for them. Those are all things in our purview that we're given to do. But the results are entirely between them and God. They are. So I'm not worried about it. I'm praying for them to receive the Holy Ghost. I want them to come to God. God's given me a burden, probably, for my student or the person that I'm ministering to, hopefully. But I can't save them. 
God saves them. So I'm doing everything I'm told to do, everything that I'm supposed to do, and whatever else happens, is it's out of my hands. I'm not worried about that. It's not shame on me if 100% of the people I teach a Bible study to don't get the Holy Ghost and end up as a missionary. That's not up to me. What is up to me is getting the Bible study set up, teaching the Bible study, praying for that person, ministering to them. That's all up to me. After I've done that, it's all on God. And that gives me peace. That gives me peace because I don't want to have to worry about that. And the main reason is I can't do anything about it. There's not one thing I can do after I've done everything I can do. There's, I can't do any more. If they're saved, it's because God draws them. And they respond. God is drawing everyone. But they need to respond to it. They need the veil lifted off their heart. They need to see truth. They need to understand it. It needs to prick their hearts. That's not anything that you and I, you or I can do. God's Spirit in us causes us to feel at peace in any situation or circumstance. When we have the, the Spirit of God in us, when we have the presence of God in our lives, we understand that no matter what happens, no matter what situation we're in, whether it's a great situation, we come into a great big windfall, we come out of a, an awesome prayer service, or whatever it is, or the worst case scenario, whatever you can imagine, whatever situation you can imagine yourself in, I have the presence of God right here. He's resident in us. And so no matter what we face, we're not facing it alone. God is right there with us. And more than that, the Bible says that he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. This all-powerful God understands exactly what I'm going through. He understands what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what I'm experiencing right now, because he's been through it. He's been through everything that you or, you or I will ever go through. He's experienced it. When he hung on the cross, every sin that had ever been committed was placed on him. Every sin. Every failure. Every lie. Every rape. Every murder. Everything was placed on Jesus Christ when he hung on the cross. And God poured out his... He poured out his wrath and his fury on Jesus Christ when he hung on the cross. He took all of it for you and for me. Do you think that he will let us go through anything comfortless? He won't. He will be there with us. He will walk through the fire with us. And that gives us peace, that gives us comfort, that gives us hope that whatever we face, whatever situation we encounter, we have a strength outside of this world. We have a hope beyond anything that I could do, say, or think. 
I have Jesus Christ walking alongside of me in the midst of that situation. And he cares and he understands when no one else does. When no one else does, Jesus Christ does. He gets it. He understands what we're going through. He knows what we're facing. And he wants to turn that situation around and make something wonderful out of it. He is that powerful. He is that powerful. All of reality... When we're talking about trusting in God, it's so hard for us to think in terms of infinite and limitless and uh, all-powerful. Because we're not. We have very little knowledge. When, when, when you think about the entirety of, of all the knowledge in the universe, how much do we actually know? How much do we actually have of that? Yeah, precious little, right? We understand so little about about the physical, let alone the spiritual. And so, when we encounter a situation, we're looking at it from the perspective of, of the ground, and we look way up at that thing, and it looks overwhelming. It looks huge. We can't imagine looking at it from any other perspective. We can't imagine experiencing it from, from any other vantage point. Because this is us. This is where we're at. This is our abilities, our, our experience. It's like trying to think of eternity. That we, we know what the word means. Okay, we can give a definition to it. But to try to understand it intuitively and, and grasp the, the, the full weight of what that means, we can't because we're finite. We have a beginning. We're going to have an ending. That's our experience. That's what we know. But when we say that God has no beginning, he always was and he always will be, we don't really fully grasp what that means. We can't understand that completely. Again, we know what the words mean, but we don't know what they mean. And so, applying that to, to peace, when we encounter a situation, it may seem like literally the end of the world for us. Something so horrific, something so awful, that we can't imagine this ever being made right. My life will be different from this point on. But God is so much bigger than that situation. And we've heard that. We understand that. But in the middle of it, it's hard to grasp the full, the full weight of that statement. Knowing that God is bigger than my circumstance. He can take care of that whenever He wants. He can literally will it gone at any time. He can reverse time. He can, He can pop things in and out of existence to make it right whenever he wants. All of reality is, is subject to his will. He can rewrite the laws of physics. He can create matter and destroy it. He's the only one that can. 
He can do literally anything He wants to do. And He can do that for you and for me. Now, He doesn't always operate that way, but He can. My point is, when we, when our hope is in Him, this infinite, all-powerful being, we got to understand that our hope is in someone that whenever He wants to, whenever He feels it's best for us, it's gone. It's completely taken care of. The situation I talked about, I was in that situation for a, a solid two years. I limped along. But when the time was right, it was gone. I couldn't get a job stocking shelves. I don't know why, but no one was hiring. <clears throat> but then all of a sudden, the job opened up and, and whew, it was all gone. That's what God can do whenever he wants. So then our hope is not that the situation gets resolved, because we already know it's going to. Our hope is in Jesus Christ who's going to take care of it when he feels it's best for us. When we understand the character of Christ, that he loves me, he wants the very best for me, we've got to trust him. We have got to trust in God, his character. We're not going through these things because we're being punished. We're not going through these things because we deserve it. We ought to be punished, and we do deserve it. We deserve so much more horrific things. That would be justice. But that's not God. That's not who He is. He wants the very best for His children. Actually, I guess in some way we don't deserve it anymore because that's been paid. It's been paid. That's why we can... We can have this peace that passes all understanding. We can have peace in whatever situation we're facing because of who our faith is placed in. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. It's always Jesus Christ. He is the object of our faith. Our faith isn't in our faith. Our faith isn't uh, even in the promises. It's in the one who issued the promises. It's in the one who has all power and all authority to take care of these things literally whenever he deems it best for us. If we're going through a situation, conversely, and he hasn't taken care of it yet, we can trust him that right now this is best for me. And rather than continue to whine and cry and mope and, and kick and scream, maybe we ought to thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to learn something. Teach me what I need to learn. How do I need to grow? How do I need to learn? How do I need to, to move past this? Kicking and screaming isn't the way to do it. It didn't work for your kids. It's not going to work for you either. <laughs> Amen. We serve an awesome God. As, as Christians, in conclusion... We can, we must experience both joy and peace through Jesus Christ. We can and we must because we know who we serve. 
We know, we know the God that we serve. We know his character. We know his history toward us, that it has been only good and never evil. He wants the very best for us. He has always wanted the very best for us, even when it cost him his life to do it. Amen. We can trust in him. And when we do, when our faith and our hope and our confidence is in Jesus Christ, we have a joy in any situation and we have a peace that God is going to take care of us no matter what. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for you, your so great salvation, the ministration of your spirit in this place thus far. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us, for encouraging us to move forward in you. The joy and the peace that you provide us is so wonderful. No matter what we face, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we can experience joy, we can experience peace because we have placed our hope and our trust and our faith and our confidence in you, in you only. Thank you, Jesus, for providing all of our needs. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for always giving us your very best. I pray that your perfect will would continue to manifest itself in our service as we move forward from this place. Let your name be glorified here today. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. We'll take a little bit more than 15, and we'll be back.